Welcome to the Citizens for Health radio show on Building Fortunes Radio with your hosts, Jim Turner and Peter Mingles. Make sure you check us out by clicking on the Citizens for Health radio show link on buildingfortunesradio.com. That's www.buildingfortunesradio.com. Citizens for Health provides over 100,000 supporters with consumer news, action alerts, and opportunities to take action. For nearly two decades, Citizens for Health has been a nonprofit pioneer in the natural health freedom movement. The Citizens for Health Education Foundation offers tools to inform the public of health issues and educate and influence policymakers. Jim Turner is here to spread the word about some of the most interesting topics that can affect your world, from the dangers of mislabeled or dangerous products to the questions and concerns of vaccines. You'll want to listen to Jim as he speaks on behalf of Citizens for Health. And now, on to our show with Jim Turner and Peter Mingles. Take it away, Peter. Hello, everyone. Peter Mingles here. You're listening to Building Fortunes Radio on www.buildingfortunesradio.com. And if you are listening in here on this time specifically and you're alive, you're listening to our Citizens for Health very special segment. There's a segment that we do live at noon on Friday with uh, the Citizens for Health attorney, Jim Turner. And Jim is a really great gentleman who shares a lot of information with a lot of people. He's been doing this for over 40 years, been running Citizens for Health for over the 20 that we referenced over here. And it's always got some really great information, and he has a great way of explaining it so regular people can understand it as well. He has been uh, associated with this kind of industry, like we said, since the 1960s was one of the first Raider, Ralph Nader Raiders, I think we would call it affectionately, and uh, was, is very associated with all the things that are happening right now as well. And we're going to cover a couple of topics, but we always have a new listening audience that hear Jim Turner for the very first time. So I want him to be able to explain a little bit about himself, what Citizens for Health does. I'm going to tell you to grab a pen and go to citizens.org, citizens, C-I-T-I-Z-E-N-S dot org, Make sure you sign up for their newsletter so you always get the latest news that's happening across the nation and what's happening in this industry. And I'm going to be quiet and let Jim Turner introduce himself, Citizens for Health, and then we'll get wrapped into this week's training. So go ahead, uh, Jim, over to you. Thanks for being here. Hi, Peter. Thanks. Uh, yes, I, um, uh, just a quick uh, thumbnail sketch about Citizens for Health. It came into existence in uh, 1993 and worked really hard for that first year to get the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act passed by Congress. Uh, it was very successful. Uh, the bill passed almost unanimously, <clears throat> both houses of Congress. And um, uh, Citizens for Health was uh, sort of the linchpin in a campaign that generated over a million and a half uh, letters to Congress, letters and postcards. This is before the Internet. Um, it has uh, done the same kind of campaign uh, to keep organic organic back in about 2000. Uh, and it's um, worked hard to uh, keep the FDA from undermining uh, dietary supplements with various what we consider to be uh, ill-thought-out regulations and successfully blocked them from doing that. And, um, and one very uh, very interesting situation was when uh, Senator, um, uh, uh, Senator uh, Dorgan um, oh. and, uh, uh, introduced a uh, a bill uh, to uh, severely restrict dietary supplements. Senator McCain and Dorgan together uh, was bipartisan, and uh, they had the NFL and the baseball, uh, National Baseball, uh, the uh, Basketball League. Uh, all the sports folks were supporting uh, creating um, steroids and other uh, products that were they claim we we say were 
polluting dietary supplements. They were going to make them all dietary supplements and restrict dietary supplement access. Uh, it was a really, really draconian bill, and uh, it was introduced on February 1st, and by the end of February, the senators had withdrawn it because they'd gotten so much mail against it. Um, it's interesting, uh, McCain's up for re-election again this year, and uh, he was in a re-election at that point, and it looked like his opponent was going to really take it on and push it hard against him. So he backed off uh, under that onslaught. I, I just put these things out there to give you kind of a feel of what the politics is like when we're um, dealing with these very um, um, very hot issues to the public, but which don't really make it very far in the news media. In fact, I'm kind of suspicious that maybe the things that get in the news are there to divert us from real things that are going to affect our lives. Uh, so that's my background on, uh, on uh, Citizens for Health. I started out in this work in 1968 working with Ralph Nader, and I did a study on the FDA called uh, The Chemical Feast, the Nader Report on Food Protection at the FDA. And uh, uh, it uh, uh, had a pretty big shakeup effect on the FDA, and then I've been involved in a whole series of campaigns on FDA stuff uh, ever since then. We started this law firm uh, just after I left Nader, and we've been carrying on those campaigns ever since. Uh, the law firm is Swankin and Turner here in Washington. started in 1973. So, Peter, ask me some questions about what's that's going a long on time, today. Yeah, that's a long time ago. Well, the, One of the newest things that are happening is that uh, we're going to cover a couple of topics, but one of them is we wanted to complete or continue the conversation we had last week on GMO and GMO labeling. And it's kind of fascinating the contradiction sometimes between, you know, this has to be labeled, this doesn't have to be labeled, these are the claims, these are whatever, and how in the world now there's a lot of legislation going on that uh, companies can not label stuff is somewhat perplexing. I think uh, I was just reading something in uh, one of the news things that Taiwan, Taiwan uh, is basically, you know, forcing everybody, you know, Taiwan is forcing everybody to label their GMO stuff and eliminating some stuff from children's food lunches and things like that. And you wonder why in our country there's the reason to suppress GMO labeling. So can you help clean up what I just said and well, tell us about um, what's happening? The, the, uh, the interesting situation there on the GMO labeling, and um, there are all kinds of little nooks and crannies in the discussion. So, for example, the FDA does not like GMO because GMO stands for a genetically modified organism, and they claim there are not actually any genetically modified organisms. There are only organisms that are modified by genetic technology. <laughs> so uh, there's that little side issue going on. But I think the big picture is that the, um, that the um, genetically modified product industry, which is basically Monsanto and its allies, has been shoving this stuff down the throat of Americans and the world for years, starting all the way back in the early 1990s. Uh, and Europe uh, has, was the first one to really push back and, uh, in fact, got an apology from the then head of Monsanto for the uh, bad behavior that Monsanto had been displaying in the marketplace uh, by um, not only denying the labeling but misrepresenting all kinds of information. <clears throat> and the Europeans just got sick and tired of that. Uh, now it's spreading uh, through other uh, parts of the world. Uh, but at the, in the United States, you know, uh, Monsanto and its pals have a lot of money and they can influence elections. And so they have worked really hard, blocked a, um, blocked a uh, 
referendum in California uh, and uh, in Washington State. They did not were not able to block one in Vermont. It passed in Vermont. It actually goes into effect shortly. Um, one of the arguments that Citizens for Health has made uh, all these years on uh, GMOs is that not only are they um, uh, misleading for consumers and uh, and to put the products out without their labels uh, makes it impossible for consumers to express their desires and their choices, um, but we've also said it's misleading the, the food industry. And uh, we've worked with the retail of food industry, and in fact, Citizens for Health was able to work with the uh, National Trade Association of Supermarkets to uh, get some of its information on GMOs into some of the publicity that they put out. And we've also worked with the manufacturers, and um, we've worked with the uh, Institute for Responsible Technology, which is the main driving force for labeling of GMOs. And um, what we've watched happen over the years is that the battle has actually begun to turn against Monsanto. So, for example, um, they tried to undercut the Vermont law by getting a law passed through Congress that would ban all states from making uh, laws for their own state. And uh, that bill passed the House, but it did not get through the Senate. And uh, it was an interesting situation because uh, there was a lot of push from senators saying, we think it should be labeled. And there ended up being a compromise that was going to, it looked like it was going to get through, in which there would be an agreement to put the fact that a product was treated with genetically modifying technologies inside the checkout code box the universal product code box. And so you would, if you had a reader, you could read and find out whether the food was GMO food or not. But if you didn't have a reader, you couldn't. Well, this was such a not transparent, it was such a transparent non-transparency that uh, there was a lot of uh, anger that emerged. And uh, that bill did not make it through the Senate. The, when, when I hear that, when I hear that, I think of Ralphie on Christmas Story, like with the Ovaltine, how he had to have the secret decoding message. You know, listen to the radio show every Sunday, and then kind of figure that stuff out. I mean, how difficult are they trying to make it? You know, that's just yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you you wonder you wonder where these people put their brains when they go to work, um, uh, both the, the the economic people and the political people. But part of what happened, we live in a democracy, so everybody has always said, uh, you know, it, well, Churchill said it's a terrible way to govern things. Uh, the only fact is every other way is worse. Um, what you have here is because it's a democracy, you've got all kinds of stuff going on and pushing and pulling, and erupting this way and erupting that way. And so what happened in the middle of this battle as it was going through the Senate is, um, is that um, the food industry – stopped being a strong advocate for blocking GMO labeling, leaving Monsanto and its chemical industry pals stuck out in the uh, Netherlands, so to speak. And uh, gradually, senators started 
relaxing their position, uh, being not so pro-Monsanto. And then, uh, interestingly enough, I think we mentioned on the show last week, Campbell's Soup has announced that it's planning to go full bore, no GMOs, as much as it, or labeling of GMOs as much as it can, and uh, that is, it's label everything and, and minimize the use of GMOs as part of an overall plan. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to uh, see that. Um, it means, I believe, that everyone in the industry is going to be pushed in the direction of having to comply with the Vermont law. And one of the things that happens is if you comply with the state law, there's no point, uh, generally speaking, there's no point in making a separate uh, label for other states. So I think we're going to start seeing um, non-GMO uh, labeling spreading. And there are uh, tens of thousands of companies out there, uh, mostly the small ones, but they're out there who do, in fact, um, apply to the uh, non-GMO uh, certifying group that lets them put the certified non-GMO label on. So it's an interesting uh, issue to watch unfold because um, uh, one of the things that is pretty clear, uh, I know when I was studying political science back in college, back, I was at Ohio State, and uh, one of the mantras of the uh, political science department and the particularly the leader of the department was uh, the currency of politics is people or money. If you don't have people, then you have to have money. So when you see somebody like Monsanto putting, uh, they put about $50 million into defeating the public um, uh, referendum in California on GMO labeling, you see them putting that kind of money into something, you know they don't have the people. Uh, that's what happens. Uh, huge amounts of money and you just, start, you just displace with the will of the people. Now what's happening is um, the people's voice is getting heard more and more and um, Monsanto and the FDA and their other allies are pushing the envelope harder and harder and creating more problems. So we have a fascinating situation just this week. The new commissioner of the FDA was approved by um, the uh, a Senate panel, um, and uh, two senators opposed it and said they will try to block, they're, they're considering blocking the appointment. One of them is Senator Sanders, who was running for president and says uh, this guy whose name is uh, Robert Califf is way too close to the pharmaceutical industry. And by the way, one of the ways you can tell that somebody's too close to a regulated industry is when they start recusing themselves from reviewing certain uh, areas of uh, regulation. So uh, the new commissioner-designate Califf has said, there are a number of drug companies which he cannot uh, be involved in reviewing their approvals because he's got too close a relationship with them. In fact, uh, it's a pretty, uh, pretty tragic to see uh, the regulatory process depreciated down to the point where uh, people who are in charge of regulation can't regulate because they're too close to the people that are supposed to be regulated. But the other person that um, is... Uh, opposing Senator Califf, I'm not sorry, I'm sorry, Dr. Califf, is Senator Murkowski from Alaska because she objects to uh, uh, genetically engineered salmon being uh, put in the market without being labeled. And uh, her, her worry, she's opposed to the genetically, genetically engineered salmon 
uh, because of the main worry about that process. This is uh, um, I, this is the first uh, edible meat that is uh, going to be genetically engineered, and FDA just approved it toward the end of last year. Uh, and the problem that everyone who is concerned about GMOs uh, points to here is that if a GMO modified salmon or genetically modified salmon makes it into the wild, it could contaminate the entire salmon uh, supply, and there would no longer be any uh, ocean-grown salmon or uh, any any salmon that could be considered to be um, the the pure salmon that you imagine when you're thinking of Alaska. And Senator Murkowski is threatening to um, block Dr. Califf until GMO labeling is put on salmon. Uh, so we'll see as things unfold over the next uh, uh, few uh, weeks or could be a few days uh, whether this uh, this particular nomination does get approved. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting that uh, you have a Republican and a Democrat both saying they don't trust this guy or at least they don't trust the process that he's supposed to be uh, approving. And then uh, the previous commissioner had to recuse herself from dealing with um, uh, mercury uh, in uh, in uh, dental fillings because she was a former uh, board member and advisor to the largest, uh, I guess, the second largest distributor of mercury fillings. So you have a you know big issue, and here comes the major number one health person to deal with all the health issues. And she has to say, I can't deal with that one because I'm too close to the company. New guys coming in, I can't deal with these various drug companies because I'm too close to those companies. Um, I think that uh, in the final analysis, when we look it all over, um, the regulatory system's broken. And it's pretty likely that uh, the FDA, which regulates 35% of the gross national product, is very much a part of why our health care costs are as high as they are. Uh, but that's our GMO discussion for today. Um, Peter, do you have some more questions you want me to focus on? Or? Actually, let's do our little commercial break. We'll come back on the other side of this. But we're listening to Jim Turner. Jim's going to introduce a little bit about, we're, set, we're switching subjects here, a commercial that we did from a radio show previously called Zapne, Z-A-P-N-E. You can find it in the Citizens for Health store. So go ahead, Jim. Yeah, this is a product that we support and feel strongly about. It's a, uh, it's a natural acne treatment. comes from a freshwater lake in Russia, and uh, it's been used, uh, the, the ingredients have been used for over 100 years in skin care. Uh, it's a thoroughly com- uh, complies with the FDA um, monograph on acne treatments. It's called Zapni, uh, and you can get it directly from the Zapni company, or you can come to Citizens for Health and get it through our, uh, our website. But uh, it's a product that um, you should know about, and there's a, a good Zapni program that we did early uh, Peter did uh, with the uh, developer of this product in the U.S., a doctor who um, has been working on skin care for years. Um, it talks about its details. This particular <clears throat> ad refers to that program, and um, it would be worth uh, your while if you're concerned about acne to uh, just listen to that program and check this product out. I'd say we have a special segment on uh, Zapni on Building Fortunes Radio, so here we go without a clue commercial. Here we are. You've been listening to the Zapney Radio Show, brought to you by Citizens for Health on BuildingFortunesRadio.com with Dr. Gregory Robertson and Peter Mingles. 
This special segment can be heard again with almost any device by going to buildingfortunesradio.com. That's www.buildingfortunesradio.com. Zapni is the all-natural treatment for acne. This new product, Zapni, is a product anyone with acne can use with great results after only one treatment. It takes only 15 minutes to apply once a week as needed. Zapni is an all-natural alternative to harsh chemicals that are difficult to apply and can be potentially harmful. You can find out more by going to Zapni.com. When ordering Zapni, please do it through the store for Citizens for Health on the website www.citizens.org or through the link on the Zapni Show segment on buildingfortunesradio.com. Dr. Gregory Robertson is here and actively building a sales force to spread the word about Zapni. Visit buildingfortunesradio.com and click on the Zapni Radio Show link to learn more and hear our archived radio shows. Thanks for listening to Zapni Radio. And now back to our show. Okay, we're back. Peter Mingles here with Jim Turner. We're on Building Fortunes Radio. This is our very special Citizens for Health segment. We do this every Friday at noon if you're listening in live. Or you can always go to buildingfortunesradio.com, find the Citizens for Health segment. You can listen to and share these with anyone you want to as well. Make sure you go to citizens.org, sign up for the newsletter, because this is where Jim and his organization send out information of stuff that, quite honestly, you probably don't read a lot about. So you'll see the things that they're taking action on and the stuff that they are doing. And, of course, uh, Jim, you said the currency of many things is money and people. And you have both, but we always, you know, there's never a a lack of uh, need for more money. So if you're buying something, check out that citizens org store as it starts to grow as well and purchase your products from there because some of the proceeds help fund some of Jim's operations. So Jim, we kind of talked a lot about GMO stuff. We're going to be running out of time. You had two other topics that you wanted to bring up here. So well, yeah, very quickly, say. it's um, uh, two, two things that are going on in the court here uh, in D.C. Uh, two FDA decisions. Uh, one uh, concerns uh, mercury fillings and the other concerns a, a label on uh, soy products that says that they're heart healthy. Um, we're involved in uh, suits challenging the FDA on both of these points, uh, one of them being that um, there's an enormous amount of evidence that uh, uh, soy uh, products are not heart healthy, and in fact, the European Union has rejected a heart healthy uh, label uh, because of the evidence. Uh, the decision was made by FDA uh, back in um, about 2008, to allow that label, and between then and now, there's been increasing amount of data that unfermented soy is a very uh, a potentially very serious problem for at least some members of the population, and uh, we believe that it's uh, improper for the FDA to have put a heart healthy label on soy, and uh, we're involved with um, the um, uh, we have a, a a coalition sort of of folks who are opposing that. One of them, uh, the lead, is the Weston A. Price Foundation, um, and uh, they've been very, very um, uh, diligent on the soy question. And the FDA has now said, no, they're, they're, they're not going to change their mind, they're not going to have a hearing, they're not going to do anything to address the uh, soy issues that have come up since their approval. And uh, so we're, um, we're uh, in federal court saying we don't think that's right, uh, and we're also in federal court saying uh, we don't think it's right for the FDA to say that mercury fillings are safe when their own internal advisory committees and their own internal scientists have said that there should be other uh, methods of doing uh, fillings that are used uh, as the primary way of filling teeth. So officially, based on the science, the FDA is on one position, but when they come out to uh, speak to the public, they take a different position. 
We're challenging both of those. But the interesting underlying issue is that the FDA's position is citizens don't have the right to challenge the FDA in court. They're saying citizens are not allowed to do that, uh, that uh, only an individual who can prove conclusively that they have been harmed is allowed to come forward, and then they have to show that the FDA ruling is the thing that harmed them. And we're challenging that position on the, of the FDA in both uh, of these cases. And uh, I, it's interesting to be involved in these issues, uh, particularly over time, because as you peel it back, you see more and more how tightly the uh, regulated industries have control over what the FDA decides. I mean, the very notion that citizens do not have the right to challenge uh, FDA rulings is uh, anathema to the people who wrote the Administrative Procedures Act, oh, 70, 80 years ago. The whole idea they had was that this act was going to allow the public to participate in regulation making. But the FDA's official position is, nope, they're not going to allow that. And they're asking the courts to reinforce that for them. Uh, so, Peter, those are the two issues that we had that uh, I wanted wow. to just, hi- uh, uh, you know, sort of highlight briefly. Yeah, Any questions told- about that? Well, yeah, it's almost like you have to be Donald Trump, you know, the example in the political elections, someone that's probably not going to be reliant on fundraising to be able to do this sort of stuff. So, you know, Donald Trump and any other billionaire might be able to take on the FDA, but short of that, the lay people, the regular people, and anybody below billionaire status is going to be, like, out of luck. This is absolutely Well, crazy. and that's – and then and, and, and the worst of it is that when you're a small business – and you're trying to uh, do something that is a little bit innovative, uh, the big business guys go to the FDA and say, crush that little guy, and uh, they go out and crush him. And then you're, you're where, how do you challenge him? I mean, really, it's a tough, it's a tough situation. But right. um, it's getting uh, clearer and clearer to uh, the public and to uh, certain politicians. I mentioned Murkowski, for example, that their uh, own uh, interests, their own states, their own constituents and so forth, are constantly being raped by the FDA. And uh, so uh, it's important uh, for us to uh, really focus that and get the judges to decide. Uh, and there are some, you know, light, light openings in the, in the battle. Right. And the amazing thing is that all of this stuff would really be just, uh, just covering over all the citizens if it wasn't for the Internet. The Internet has probably been the, the greatest tool, I think, that's out there for awareness. Now, that's a, it's a great misinformation tool as well, but at least it's bringing up the issues. So it's kind of like the Donald Trump of the world. I don't want to endorse Donald Trump, but in the example of him doing the things that he's doing, like even though he's really sloppy and doesn't, maybe not even very smart sometimes in the things that he says, at least he's bringing up those issues, and the Internet is bringing up these issues. So if you go to the Internet and you type in, like, GMOs or you go in there and type in Monsanto, You'll get a whole bunch of different views. Some of them are right. Most of them are kind of weird. Um, but the reality is is that, you know, Jim, if it wasn't for the Internet, no one would know any of this stuff would be going on. We'd just be happily well, going around our, our lives, if you will. And, yeah, well, the Internet is just completely on. opening things up. But, but remember, radio opens things up when it came on the land, too. And right. uh, before that, the telegraph. I mean, it's very interesting. These, uh, these, as we improve, as we... Um, speed up and, uh, and, and, and uh, make richer the communicating tools, we discover more and more of this chicanery that's going on just outside the light of the, of the media, let's say. And, um, you know, right now uh, uh, this Internet stuff is very fascinating. And, and uh, it's, it's also one has to be careful about arguing what is good and bad information on the Internet because some things that seem 
totally weird and unsupportable the first time you read them. If you go and dig in it yourself, you say, holy cow, this is right. I can't believe that this is what's happened. Right. So, and I think it's going to heat up over time, and I do think the Internet's making a big difference in uh, in these battles on food. It is definitely making a big difference and a, a lot of awareness because, I, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do a lot of the research or seen a lot of the things. And, and then you have to kind of just have the wisdom to kind of try to figure it out. And unfortunately, we're all dealing with that, you know, certain level of uh, – not really sure what's going on, so even more reasons why you want to donate and do the different things to organizations like Citizens for Health, because I could use my money to help Jim, who's really into doing the research, get the word done and the stuff, so I'm aware, but my money can actually do some speaking for me as well. So True. By, uh, let me, by the way, let me mention, I just, it just occurred to me, that I saw a movie two nights ago, it was a, the Washington Showing, and it's going to be coming out in February around the country. It's called Stink, S-T-I-N-K, Stink. Mm-hmm. It's about fragrances that are used in our cleaning products and uh, hundreds of products. It's an extremely good movie about what's going on in the chemicals that are in our households. Uh, it gets some into food a little bit, but mostly it's about cleaning products, and it's a very, very uh, interesting and moving story. Uh, stink. Watch for it, and I'll probably talk about it again on one of our other programs. Okay, perfect. Well, we're going to call it a uh, radio show. We're almost out of time. Jim, thanks for being here. Go to citizens.org. I'm not going to play our commercial because we're running out of time, but Jim, thanks for being here, and we're going to catch you next week. Thanks a lot, Peter. Thank you, and I look forward to next week. Yep, and bye for now. Thanks. Bye.